depends. On what? Reason. I will teach you real kung fu. Yes! I'm an athlete. My number one asset is I'm fast, okay? I'm quick, all right? I'm quick. Pick up your jacket. What I'm trying to say is, I got a good foundation here. You know, like I said, I'm just... Might not be as hard to teach me as other people, you know? Hand it up. Okay. All right, but now... Take it down. You just... Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. I already did Take all this. Take it off. You just tell me why I'm Take doing this? Take it off. Hand it up. Take it down. Put it in the ground. Pick it up. Hang up. Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. Check it on. Mr. Han, I already... Check it on. Check it on. I don't have a jacket. Check it on. What a great, fun movie, uh, just because it's, uh, 
Dre, the, the karate kid, had a totally different strategy in mind of how he was going to learn karate or kung fu. Maybe Mr. Han would show him a few cool moves, you know, because he was already quick and, and that, yet there was so much more he needed to learn. Balance, muscle tone, reflexes, focus. It's a great illustration of how we approach life, our life journey, and yes, living life God's way, living God's unique call for our life. For us, we're much the same. We have this expected idea of our own strategy for life and how it will play out. And most of the time, we think that it's going to come instantly. <laughs> we're going to get instant cash <laughs> or have instantly good relationship, like an instantly good marriage or instantly good friendships. We want to be great. No, we want to be phenomenal with little or no training. To wake up and all of a sudden be thin. <laughs> or muscular. Or have hair. Or we want, to be, uh, we want to wake up and be able to sing beautifully. Or, or be wise. Or, or to be good in business. And even when it comes to our own spiritual maturity, we want to instantly, when we receive Christ, all of a sudden have all the knowledge of the Word of God in our minds so we don't have to try it all anymore. We want to know exactly how to interact in relationship with God. We want it all. We want it fast with little or no discomfort or effort or focus or concentration. Yet life is not that way, and neither is God's strategy. Sure, some skills are learned fast, but most talent or, or wisdom or knowing what to do takes time and effort and energy and being in the right environment and so does God's organized strategy for our lives. It takes effort and energy and being in the right environment to mature and grow. For growth and maturity is a process. It's being in that right place where you, where you grow and move from stage to stage and level to level of growth. And those levels and, and stages require different environments. Just like growing educationally, you know, and in preschool and elementary school, you have a certain environment you're in. That's not the same environment as it is in junior high or as it is in high school or as it is in college or university. There are different environments we go in to learn. And there are sometimes prerequisites. We need to apply to get in and we need to have this certain understanding to get to the next level. And if we want to join the incredible life God has for us to live God's unique call for our life. It's going to require us to follow God's strategy, God's process of growth to move us from Christless to Christ-like. For we do not grow ourselves. Take your Bibles and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians is right before 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at a different text this morning, but I wanted you to see this one because I will show part of one up on, on, the, on the screen there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7 says, What after all is Apollos? Paul is writing here. Apollos is a great teacher. And, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you have come to believe. As the Lord has assigned each to his task. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Make no mistake, it's God who makes us grow. We can be all the while in the right environment, but it's still God that makes us grow. Our part 
is to be in that right environment, to be where God grows us. Now, I want you to jump down to verse 10. Because, see, it's easy for us to think that the Christian life is just some kind of some assembly line where we just keep moving along and, and putting no effort of ourselves and stuff is just put on us as we move from, from, from maturity to maturity whenever we receive Christ. We first start, we're coming to a faith in Jesus by believing in Him as our Lord and Savior. And as we celebrate communion, we'll talk more about that today. But we come to that place in our life, and, and some think that it's like we're on an assembly line. And we just kind of move along, and God just you know, kind of throws things at us, and they kind of stick on us as we go. But that's not the case at all. It's we're allowed to walk, and we're allowed to go into one journey or another journey. So Paul says in verse 10, but each one should be careful how he builds. We should be careful about the environments that we go into. And that's why one of the missions of the church, this organized local gathering of believers all over the world, is created to, is created to create environments for God to grow each of us. The church is like an environment for we, for we can grow very well. And so we here create programs and activities and events and ministries. So that as Colossians 1.28 says, we proclaim him, that's Jesus, because Jesus is the center of everything, always needs to be. So we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. The word perfect means fully mature. That the church is designed to help create environments so that when you walk into them, you have opportunities to grow. So what's God's strategy? What are the stages we need to go through and what environments can we step into, even some right here at Cypress Church, that will continue to allow you to grow on into maturity in Christ? Well, we could pick most any character in the Bible in any uh, family or, or even the nation Israel and look at them as examples and walk through. But there's one place in Scripture where we see someone moving all through the different stages of spiritual life development right before our eyes. And we get to see life change just happen right before our eyes. The story is found in Luke chapter 19, and you can turn your uh, Bibles over to that. Chapter 19, where we learn five moves to grow with God's organized strategy. Before we launch into this, would you mind standing with me and, and let's pray. Father God, as we come before you this morning seeking to learn from your word, Lord, I'm asking that you would open us up to what your spirit would have us to learn. Lord, each of us are in different levels and stages of our spiritual maturity. Some may be just starting out. Some who have been believers for years are just starting out. Some are very mature and seeking to even grow deeper. So Lord, help us all along this to be challenged. Holy Spirit, help us see what you want us to see this morning. Challenge us individually, we pray in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat, and I encourage you to keep the notes out that Stephen reminded you of as, as we look at this story in Luke uh, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. It's the story of Zacchaeus. So let's watch as he changes and matures right before us. For the first stage of this strategy of growing God's way is to break free from the crowd. Look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, as you read those verses, a couple things uh, pop out very clearly. First of all, it's the story about Zacchaeus. Now, the interesting part about Zacchaeus, that is a Hebrew name. 
meaning that Zacchaeus was a child of God, a Hebrew. And yet, what seems a little unusual is that it says he was a chief tax collector. <laughs> what is a child of God doing being a tax collector? For that job was not a good job because in that job, you had to extort people. You had to lie and to cheat and you had to force people to give money. And it was a nasty job. The lowliest of sinners were called tax collectors because in the crowd of tax collectors, it was common for you to extort and, and, and hurt people and, and squeeze out of them any money you could because the way Rome worked was the tax collector could collect as much as they wanted to and only return a portion to Rome. And so right here, the text tells us that he was wealthy. In other words, he skimmed off the top. He made people go bankrupt so that he could have the money to become wealthy himself turning only a portion of it to Rome. Now, the other interesting part is the name Zacchaeus means pure and innocent. <laughs> not so much. He was not acting according to his name, nor was he acting according to his heritage. He was just going along with the crowd, extorting people and hurting them, his own race his own people, his brothers and sisters, not following God's way, but simply going along with the way it all, has always been done, the way of the crowd. Why did he do that? Why do we do that? Maybe he didn't know. Maybe uh, he was just going along, living like everybody else. It just seemed everybody else is doing it, so why shouldn't I? And yeah, it's easy to live like those around us, to live like the crowd. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says very clearly, bad company corrupts good morals. In other words, we are like those we hang around. As well, we can let our issues and our insecurities keep us scanning the crowd for approval or cues to gain acceptance. And, and unfortunately, the crowd does not necessarily go God's way. In today's world, is just like what we saw last week in the book of Judges. Everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. And it's chaotic today. I mean, open the newspaper, turn on the news. Trouble in Haiti, and I'm not just talking about the earthquakes and the breakout of cholera, but there is incredible, heinous crimes going on. The government not re releasing, they've got tons of aid sitting there in the harbors, and people are dying of starvation, but they won't release it because everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes. There's sex trade going on in Cambodia and Taiwan and other places in the world. Christians are murdered in Iraq. People are doing what they think is right. And even here, right here in our, our cities and towns, uh, in this part of the world, there is all kinds of crime. Thievery, abductions, rape and murder. People are doing what is right in their own eyes. You know, but the way of the world is not always deplorable. But it is alluring. And swayed and sways us like Zacchaeus. Like he was swayed about wealth and, and living for himself. But something happened that caused Zacchaeus to change. To start this growth process. To begin the spiritual growth development journey. Now he most likely had heard about uh, God and his teachings and, and teaching of Messiah because he was Hebrew. But he did not let that affect his life. He never stepped into the right environment. Yet something made all the difference in the world that day. 
It's found in verse 1. Jesus entered. See, when Jesus enters, things happen. When Jesus entered your life, things happened. When he enters a, a town, a business, a school. Jesus even said himself in John 12, 32, but when I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will, be, I will draw all men to myself. And as people see Jesus today, they are drawn to him. When we as believers go and live out our faith and, and not just speak the gospel, but show the gospel, Jesus is lifted up and people are drawn to him. They're drawn to him. Jesus is revealed. And people have that opportunity to break free from the crowd. Begin that moving from Christless to Christ-like. To become as they were designed. Complete. Joining that journey of living out God's unique call. That's why we make a big deal here about each of us being and living like Jesus. Out in the crowd. Not to hide yourself and to get around all Christians and be all you know, safe and secure but to actually step out and to make a difference, to live your life among the crowd so that people see what Jesus is like. They see his mercy and his grace and his love and his kindness and his compassion and his servanthood. As we do those things, Jesus is lifted up and people are drawn to him. People are broken free from the clutch of the crowd. And that's why we as a church are involved in our community because we want to be out among them, among the crowd and why we invite people to our church at Christmas and at Easter and at Sundays. We, we open them up to the crowd because we believe the Bible. We believe what it says when Jesus is lifted up, people are drawn to him and move closer to him. See, Zacchaeus had to break away from the clutch of the crowd. And he had to make that choice to put himself in that environment where he could see Jesus. What about you? Are you really breaking free of the crowd? It's God's organized strategy that you break free of the crowd and be part of his unique call to follow his plan because when we do, we move on in maturity like to the next part of God's strategy to follow curious notions. Look at Zacchaeus, verses 3 and 4. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a, a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Three ways our natural curiosity moves us into God's environment of spiritual growth. The first is to desire to seek. It says he wanted to to see Jesus. He wanted to learn more and understand who this Jesus was. Jeremiah 29, uh, Casey quoted verse 11. Here's verse 13. You will seek me when you find me, God says, when you seek me with all of your heart, when you choose to move forward and understand. You know, when I think about this, I think of Casey and Josh and, and, and Jessica and Jericho and, and others who are in that engaged state of life. You know, uh, um, they desire so much to seek each other. They want to be with each other. You ever seen young people in love? <laughs> it's like there's just a bubble around them and the two are in there, you know, little schmoopy. And uh, th that's how it was, you know, when, 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 you were, when you were dating somebody or you wanted to, to get to know somebody, you sought them out. 
You just happened to show up where they were and happened to be where they were. And you wanted to seek them out because you had the desire to be with them and to know them. How much more should we put ourselves in that environment where we seek out Jesus? You know, some people who've been a believer for a long, believers for a long time, they've kind of lost sight of that. And they just stop seeking Jesus. And they, they kind of drift back into the crowd. And they get caught up into that. See, the curious seek Jesus. The curious also have a willingness to overcome obstacles. At Zacchaeus, he said, but being a short man, he could not see him because of the crowd. So he went for it. He had to overcome the obstacle of him not being able to see Jesus. You know, when I think about maturity and, and where we're at, sometimes people, though they've been believer, a believer for a long time, it seems like there's all kinds of obstacles that they won't even go over anymore. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I just, you know, the obstacle of time gets in the way and they won't even crack the book. Or, ah, uh, you know, there's one cloud in the sky. I'm not going to go to church today. <laughs> oh, I woke up too early or too late. <laughs> I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to be involved in small groups. And, and all these other obstacles come in of, of great environments to be in, to grow in your faith. And the obstacles will always be there. But the true curious at heart will overcome those obstacles. And as well, lastly, the curious, they, there's a humility about them that they're willing to do anything to seek Jesus. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. This was undignified for a man of his social status. People would laugh and jeer at him. But the curious don't care. They don't care any longer for the crowd. They were willing to do anything to seek Jesus. We need to be like Zacchaeus, to be curious, to follow those inklings, those wonderings about Jesus, and to never stop seeking him, to keep learning more, to stretch our growing faith. Look at Jesus' response. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. See, when we sincerely seek Jesus, like the Jeremiah passage tells us, he is right there. Jesus wants to spend time with you. I hope that kind of blows your mind. That the all-powerful creator of the universe wants to sit down and spend some time with you and have that close, personal relationship with you. The curious seek Jesus, and the curious find Jesus. And that's why we make a big deal about reading your Bible and, and spending time in devotion and being here on Sundays and, and going to community life groups because those environments help you to satisfy that curiosity and dig deeper and understand God more and more. Are you seeking? Are you seeing where you are in maturity? Are you following those curious notions? It's God's design. It's his strategy for us to be part of his unique call for our life. Let's follow his plan. Because when we do, we move on to maturity. Like this next stage. To take convinced action. Look at verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus didn't wait. 
he immediately responded to Jesus. He was so convinced, he made a choice. Zacchaeus welcomed him. Not just, oh, okay, you know, come on, Jesus, if you got some time. He welcomed him gladly. He was excited. He couldn't wait to see Jesus. He was excited, and, and he was uh, pulling in the, the, the common practice of the day of welcoming a guest. That you get excited about that guest. Not only do you get excited, but you put out the expense. You change all of your plans. You alter your life. You revolve everything around that guest until they leave. All of life surrounded and with great delight, not obligated, if I have to, bemoaning the time commitment, but that thought that there is nothing more important, more enjoyable, more delightful than Jesus being the center focus of our attention. Is he? Is he really? Would, would he say that? It's the heart for Christ that is an indicator where we are in our maturity. Now hearing this, some people say, wait, wait a minute, Mike. I've been a believer for a long time. I mean, I come to church kind of regularly. I, I, I give. I even give extra at Christmas. But see, it's not just being in the right environment. You have to engage your will you have to fully participate and, and, and be part of what's going on. It's that engagement of our will to choose to be convinced that Jesus is the way, the one, the only, to make him the honored guest. No, no really, it's to make him Lord. This right environment is also the right attitude. Remember last week when we talked about Colossians 3, verses 1 to 5, where we need to, to have our mind and our heart set on things above. That's, that's our, it's our attitude and our choices, our movement, that, that Christ is all in all, that we're, we're putting Him as the centerpiece in our life, to treat Him as that honored guest, to treat Him as that Lord of our life. That's being in the right environment where God works on our life. That's God's organized strategy. That's why we make a big deal about being prepared and preparing our hearts, not just showing up on Sunday, not just showing up at your small group, your community life group, but to engage and participate as well. That's why we emphasize the idea of trying out different areas of ministry, of, of going on a, a, a one-day trip here and there, of checking out a ministry here for a couple of months, just to get the idea and surround yourself so that you're stretched in your faith. Are you seeing where you are on that spiritual development journey that God has us on? What environment is God telling you you need to step into? Are you taking those convinced actions? It's God's organized strategy for us to be part of his unique call in our life. So let's follow his plan because when we do, we move on in maturity. Here's the next stage as we put ourselves in an environment where God can grow us. It is to choose committed behavior. Look at verse 7 and part of verse 8. All the people saw this and began to mutter, is he, speaking of Jesus, going to be a guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, 
Here now I give half my possessions to the poor. Zacchaeus made a commitment to change. Being committed is seeing Jesus as Lord and, and committing to a lifestyle that is doing what he would do. And our possessions, our finances, our money tends to reveal what and who we are committed to. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verses 21 to 24. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 24 says it this way very clearly. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. He either will hate one or love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The truth is, committed believers give and are generous. Because they no longer are held to the trappings of the crowd that says you've got to have a lot of stuff and you've got to have a lot of money and you've got to do all the things you want to do. But it's that proper perspective that all what we have is from the hand of God. And all what we don't have is from the hand of God as well. And understanding that this is God's paycheck, God's resources, God's money, and I'll be generous with that because He's generous. And maybe I'll need to sacrifice so that others can have more. And that's a committed attitude. Not to be seen as a philanthropist or, or for social status, but to show who and what we are really committed to. What does your checkbook, what does your bank account, what does your budget say about what you are committed to, really? What does it say? Committed believers change and conform. Write down somewhere in your margin, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to around 30. Jesus was talking, and a young man who was very wealthy came to him and said, you know, Lord, what do I need to do to be saved? And, and Jesus said, you know, follow the, you know, the laws and, and that, follow the, God's word and, and obey it and live life that way. And, and the young man said, I've done it all of my life. And then Jesus said, the, the clinching question or quench, uh, the clinching uh, command, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And this rich young ruler looked at Jesus and hung his head and walked away because he was too committed to his stuff than he was to the Lord. Commitment to, rich, to, commitment to money can either be from the rich or the poor. You can be too obsessed with it. The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the love of it, the center focus of it, the commitment to it. In verse 7, the crowd didn't get it. They were not yet even curious Zacchaeus, though, didn't succumb to the crowd because he was committed and made a life change, putting himself in a situation that was stretching, not just welcoming Jesus into his life, but willing to change, willing to stretch his faith, willing to serve. What about you? You know, too much of a Christian life is spent, I want to be comfortable. I want to find a nice place that has a nice seat, you know, that I can sit into and just kind of soak it all in. <laughs> That's not the design of the church. The design of the church is to be an environment where you're challenged and stretched. Or maybe you don't walk away going, ooh, that was good to hear. Or maybe you walk away going, man, i got to do something. <laughs> I remember just a, a couple of years ago, a man came to me and was very upset. He said, Mike, when you share, you, you always challenge us to do something. I just want to sit and learn. I guess, uh, well, he's not here any longer. <laughs> 
But the idea is God wants us to stretch. Faith isn't to be just about taking in. It's about action. It's about moving with the committedness of our life. That's why we challenge people to take on membership and the commitment to be consistent serving in a ministry. These are stretching environments where we grow because God uses these committed environments to grow us and to keep us growing on in maturity so that we can live life God's way, that we can live God's unique call for a life. For as we grow on in, in our commitment to Christ, it is natural to move to live a commissioned life. I'll go to the last part of verse 8 and on into uh, verse 9. Zacchaeus says, If I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. To pay back someone four times was way beyond even the, 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 what the crowd would say is normal and certainly beyond what God's law was saying. It showed a, a, a full life transformation, a life totally abandoned to God's way. Not the world, not his own way. His wealth meant nothing to him. His position meant nothing to him. Uh, all, of he has gathered, all he had gathered in his life meant nothing to him. What was most important was to live life God's way. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3. He said, uh, verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, for, to, to live that commissioned life. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Rubbish meaning dung, Stinky, poopy trash. That living out God's unique call on my life, living God's way is so important that everything else seems worthless. I'm not just committed, but I'm fanatical. Fanatical about serving God's purposes. Dedicated to fulfilling God's vision. Fervent in living out and aspiring His given values obsessed in living out his mission, and zealous for following God's strategy. And the Lord, the Lord confirmed it, saying, salvation has come. Not that Zacchaeus then received the Lord, but it's more like the James chapter 2 where it says that faith without works, faith without evidence is dead. Jesus is saying, look, there's evidence of someone who's saved. There's a life change. Something is happening in that person's life. And, and Jesus went on and said, this man, too, is a son of Abraham, not because of bloodline, but because of faith and purpose. Write down somewhere Genesis chapter 12. Read the chapter. It talks about how the children of Israel, their purpose was, has always been to reach out to the world. So what about you? That's why we challenge people to sense God's calling and commission to whatever service God calls you to whether he calls you to full-time occupational service or for the most of us, he calls us to live out our Christian life and purpose and vision and value and mission and strategy in the secular world as we go about being a teacher, a salesman, a, a, a person of business, or whatever it is, a student. That God wants us to, to bring that in, to live that commissioned life. These are stretching environments where we grow. Because God uses 
this commissioned life environment to grow us and to keep us growing onto maturity. So we live his unique call on our lives. God used this strategy to grow us from Christless to Christ-like. Sure, we may want our own way, our own strategy, like the karate kid. But God says, place yourself in the right environment and he will grow us. Break free from the crowd. Follow curious notions. Take convinced action. Choose committed behavior. Live a commissioned life. It's, it's really your move. If you decide that the Christian life is just a conveyor belt and you don't do anything, you will stay the same all the way through your life. But if you choose to walk and place yourself in the right environment, God will mature you and move you and grow you. It's time to continue and to start growing. Will you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and the challenge it is to live life your way. (laughs) And I'm glad, Lord, that you didn't just throw us out and kick us out and let us go. You gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us into these environments. Lord, help us to be like Casey, who puts herself into environments so that she will grow. Difficult environments, stretching environments. Lord, may we be like that. Lord, show us what we need to do next to get in that environment of growth. Lord, challenge us. Even though it may be hurtful for us to have our own immaturity exposed, let us move on. Let us humble ourselves and move your direction. Thank you, Lord. Grow us, we pray in your son's name. Amen.